Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers. We don't care about anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back. Two dedicated Packers. It is Thursday, December 7th, and today we are previewing the Packers-Giants Monday night football matchup. Now, you might be thinking, hey, episodes released a day later than usual. Yes, um, that's because the Packers are playing on Monday, so I thought Thursday, the week's essentially been shifted a day, so I thought Thursday would be the natural recording time, so that's why the uh, the episode's... Um, yeah, it's out of daylight. With that being said, let's jump right into the bits of news we have. The first thing, Packers injury report. So they released their first injury report today. They had their first, I guess, practice today of the week. And the people listed on the injury report. Jair Alexander limited with a shoulder. Devondre Campbell limited with a neck. Josiah DeGuara, full participant with a hip. AJ Dillon limited with a groin. Rashawn Gary limited with a shoulder. Elton Jenkins limited with a shoulder. Aaron Jones limited with a knee. Keyshawn Nixon, full participant with a wrist. Jonathan Owens, limited with a knee. Jaden Reed, limited with a chest. Darnell Savage, did not participate with a chest. Eric Stokes, full participant. Great news there. With a hamstring, Quay Walker did not participate with a shoulder. Christian Watson did not participate with a hamstring. And then lastly, Devontae Wyatt, limited with an elbow on the New York Giants side of things. Carter Coughlin, full participant with a hip injury. That's their linebacker. Their all-pro level D-lineman, Dexter Lawrence. Limited with a hamstring. Offensive lineman Evan Neal did not participate with an ankle. Ashawn Robinson limited with a hamstring. Isaiah Simmons limited with an ankle. And Tyrod Taylor, their quarterback, who will not be starting. Full participant with a rib injury. So that's what we have on the injury front. Looking specifically at the Packers, guys, a couple of things to discuss here. So first of all, Christian Watson. He did not participate today. He obviously suffered a hamstring injury in the win over the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Matt, when asked about Christian's hamstring, was not willing to go into detail, wasn't willing to specify how serious it is. Basically, all he gave us was, quote, hopefully sooner rather than later. When asked, basically, when's Christian going to return? We did get a little bit more news from Christian when he had his locker room availability. So he said that he does not believe this hamstring injury is as severe as the one that kept him out of the first three games of the season. Good news. Awesome news there, right? He did say that it feels much better today, and he's just going to keep taking it day by day. He did add, however, that he doesn't know if playing Monday night against the Giants is doable. So when we look at this, I really doubt he's going to go on IR. He said this hamstring he doesn't think is as as severe as the one that kept him out the first three games. He didn't go on IR for that one, so I doubt he goes on IR for this one. That puts his time frame for return somewhere between zero and four weeks, and my guess at this point would be that he misses two weeks. So he probably won't practice much this week, if at all, because you don't want to get re-injured, obviously, and it doesn't seem like he's in practice form right now, and I definitely don't think he's going to be playing this week, because first of all, if you don't practice, there's basically no way you play. And then, of course, there's the additional thing to take into consideration, which is that MetLife Field, the Giants field, is not 
very nice and does not have a good reputation when it comes to injuries. That's where Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles this year. I think it's the one of the newer stadiums in the NFL after SoFi, but yeah, it is not really, really, really not very highly thought of from a turf standpoint. So I, I would guess that Christian's not going to play this week. However, looking beyond this week, I think next week, maybe he squeezes in a practice or two. Still guess he misses that week. Maybe even misses the third week versus Carolina because Carolina sucks. We don't need him then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm just speculating at this point. I don't know. My guess would be somewhere between one to two to three weeks, somewhere in there. Um, the, I do want to say one thing with Christian, and there were a lot of angry Packers fans. Now, some fans, the best fans, the, the ones that are worth your time, are reasonable, right? Christian, it sucks that he got injured again. This is awful. There are some angry Packers fans out there claiming this is Christian's fault. He's so injury prone, blah, 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 blah. First of all, it's football. Everyone gets injured. I do think there's something to freak athletes like Christian getting injured more because, and take this with a grain of salt because I'm no doctor, but Christian did kind of say something to this effect, with how tightly wound his muscles have to be because of the the stress that, that gets put on them, with how long, tall Christian is, with how fast he is, how lean he is, there is probably something that plays into his injury beyond just him being a human, i.e. him being a freak athlete. That being said, I wanted to share this quote from Christian because he was basically asked, you know, how he could prevent these hamstring injuries from reoccurring, what he's looked into, and he said, quote, there's a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of crazy machines out there, stuff like magnets, all that type of stuff. There's a lot of gurus out there. I try to stay away from that type of stuff and try to work with the scientifically proven stuff. I think the main focus is working on the back, the hips, and making sure I can get stronger in other places, just so those type of things don't put more stress in that area, his hamstrings. That's what I've been doing. I've just been trying to find, instead of just focusing on the hamstring, go out and talk to people who are experts in back, experts in knees, stuff like that. That's what he said. And he also mentioned he spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to fix this issue. He knows that this hamstring is something that's bugged him, not necessarily recently but it bugged him obviously there and it's bugged him it obviously bugged him right before the season so it's not christian's fault and it sucks of course it sucks that a receiver who's just hitting a stride like christian is injured but it just means other guys have to step up but trust me they have the talent to step up and right now all we can say is we know christian's gonna put in the work we know the packers doctors know what's best for him he'll come back when he comes back and for now, we have to uh, move forward. And it's that is tough for me to say, because you guys know Christian Watson is maybe my favorite Packers football player right now. But that's where we're at with uh, with Christian on um, on some other injury news fronts. Quay and Darnell Savage both seemingly got injured in Sunday's game. Hopefully they can be ready for Monday, though. They both did not participate today. So that is not an awesome sign there. Don't really know too much about those injuries. Other short things, Jair practicing again. That's good news. He was practicing. He was limited all of last week and didn't play, so we'll still have to see what happens on Monday. Aaron Jones, back at practice. Awesome news. Now, I doubt that he plays. He had an MCL sprain, and I said MetLife Field is not good from a turf standpoint, um, from an injury standpoint. So I would be surprised if Aaron Jones plays, but it's awesome that he's back at practice. And then Stokes upgraded to a full participant now, 
I'm not sure what this means when it comes to him playing. I, I tend to doubt that he's going to play, um, but a good sign, sign nonetheless, being a full participant. Seems like he's doing well. Everyone else seemingly still recovering from injuries, and that's why they're limited. So I, I listed off a bunch of guys there. Jaden Reed, Keyshawn Nixon, all those guys, I guess. They're still just kind of working their way back, um, but hopefully they'll be good to go. So that's what we have on the injury front. A couple of other news things. David Long, claimed by the Packers, signed to the 53-man roster. David Long, over a 9 RES score back in the days when he was tested, was with Joe Barry for a season or two in Los Angeles when uh, Joe Barry was a defensive assistant. Now, I think this is just a depth signing. Packers have definitely made awesome depth signings at cornerback in the past. You thought they were just bringing Rasul Douglas onto the practice squad. Lo and behold, gets into the Arizona game, has a game-winning interception, gets back-to-back -back pick sixes versus LA and Chicago. So who knows? I'm not going to say David Long is going to do that, but just um, a signing there. And then Packers sign running back Kenyon Drake to the practice squad, ex-Dolphins, Cardinals, I think also Ravens running back. He's been with a, a quite a few teams. This just adds depth to the running back room, a running back room that clearly needs it, right? A.J. Dillon was limited today. Aaron Jones, obviously, he was back at practice, but limited. And then Tyler Goodson is on the IR. They did release James Robinson as the corresponding move. So your running back room now is Aaron Jones, if he plays, though I tend to doubt it. A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, Ellis Merriweather, and Kenya Drake. So do with that what you will, depth signing there. That's what I have from a new standpoint with that, let's jump right into the game, because for the first time since maybe week five, maybe week seven versus Denver, I think it was week five versus Vegas, though, but uh, I'm not sure. Regardless, this is the first time in a long time that the Green Bay Packers are actually supposed to win their game. And unfortunately, Green Bay lost in both the weeks I mentioned, week five versus Vegas, week seven versus Denver. Um, but this week is now it's now going to present a matchup that the Green Bay Packers haven't had in a little while because every game they've gone into they've been I don't know if they've been expected to to lose but they definitely weren't expected to win and in some games like the Rams game it was kind of like this could get weird but they definitely weren't expected to go in and just crush the other team and this week the Packers are expected to go in and blow out a pretty bad New York Giants team and that is why I am concerned about this game, because the Packers notoriously play down to the level of their opponents. They have played up, fortunately, the last few weeks to the level of their opponents, beating Detroit, beating Kansas City. But earlier in the season, they played down to their opponents. Vegas, Denver, now you could raise the question, were they actually playing down to their opponents or were they just a bad team? Because they did get blown out versus Detroit. That's a fair point. Maybe they maybe they um, don't go in to New York and play down to them and they go in and crush New York. That's what I'm looking for. But either way, this does kind of feel like a trap game because the previous weeks have been very difficult. They have been tough games where the Packers have to go in. They're the bad team or what's considered to be the bad team and they have to go beat a team that is pretty clearly better than them, a couple of whom have been Super Bowl contenders. And that was tough. But now the season, the schedule gets tough in a different way. And it's that aside from maybe the Vikings game, they're going to be going into every single game as the favorite, unless they drop, you know, game after game after game to the Giants and then the Bucks and then the Panthers. But 
presumably they're going to be going into every game from now on, aside again maybe from that Minnesota game, as the favorite from a betting standpoint, which is what we've got. That is arguably as difficult because, and this is the next step in the progression of becoming a good football team, it's awesome, it's great to have this underdog mentality mindset and go in and win games you're not expected to win and show you can be a good football team. The Packers have shown they can be a good football team. Now the key becomes keeping up that winning when you're no longer the hunter, you're the hunted. They have to go in and they have to play a solid brand of football, good enough to beat the bad teams that they should be get, should be beating. And that starts this week versus New York. And that's 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 almost what scares me. Because, yeah, they looked good, but now they have to look good against a bad team. And I'm while we have seen Matt's teams consistently win games that they're supposed to win, thinking back to when they went 13 and 3 and 13 and 4 in 2020 and 2021, respectively, this is a new group of guys. They have to keep their focus, they have to keep their head down. And they have to adopt Matt's one-week-at-a-time mentality and focus on beating New York. That's what they have to do. That is how you have to act to win in this NFL. And I think the players have said as much in their sort of media availabilities. Jordan said two things. He said, first of all, we're treating every game like a playoff game, I think was the first thing he said. And then he also said, you know, we're giving every team respect. And that's what you should be doing. That's what you have to be doing but it better show up in the play on the field. And that's kind of what I'm scared about. Looking more generally at this New York football team, their offense is headed by Tommy DeVito. So their quarterback, Daniel Jones, who they signed to a massive extension, which is looking really bad for them right now. He went out and Tommy DeVito came in. And Tommy DeVito, it's been pretty cool what they've done with him. He's a sort of a classic Italian, lives with his parents in their basement. Or actually, I don't know if he lives in their basement, but lives with his parents um, and they, as they, as they live just nine minutes or so away from MetLife, he's their quarterback, right? Classic, like he's totally leaned into this Italian persona. He's got the little, the Italian hand gesture where you put, you know, your, your forefingers and your thumb together and do the little back and forth motion. He's got everything. Um, he's not a good quarterback, but he can beat you if given time. He's like a poor man's Kirk Cousins. In that sense, um, beyond Tommy DeVito, the Giants have struggled up front all season. They have almost no weapons outside of Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley is one of the best backs in the NFL, but Jalen Hyatt is maybe their best wide receiver, and the biggest thing he's shown is his ability to take the top off of defenses. So they don't present too much from an offensive standpoint aside from Saquon. Bad offensive line that's played really poorly this year. Defensively, they, they've struggled too. They have gotten a little bit better as of late, and they have, guess what, another blitz-heavy defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale. So I think Jordan is going to have kind of a test there. Now, Kansas City's defense is so much better than the the Giants, despite having a similar blitz-heavy approach, but this Packers offense is going to have to be wary of Wink Martindale, what he presents from a, from a blitz standpoint, and also kind of be aware of the talent New York has up front. They have... Uh, rookie or second year player Kayvon Thibodeau who's kind of up and down on the edge but has shown elite level flashes and then Dexter Lawrence who's an all pro level defensive lineman aside from that the Giants are bad they're a bad football team they barely beat New England who can't put up any points they won that game 10 to 7 that was ugly they lost to the New York Jets they got whooped not just by the Cowboys but by the Raiders 
Two, the Packers should win this football game. But any team can win on any given Sunday. And with the New York Giants coming off of a bye, I kind of have a, an iffy feeling about this game. Now, go in, prove me wrong, but the iffy feeling is definitely there in my stomach. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball, looking at exactly what Green Bay can do to win this game. So the first thing, stay turnover free. That's my first offensive key because the Packers have been turnover free on offense the past three weeks. And it's no coincidence that they've played the best we've seen on offense in these past three weeks. Similarly, the uh, the four weeks ago in, uh, in the Steelers game, where the offense also looked good, the only turnovers came on the last two drives, which happened to be the difference in the game. Against New York, a definitively worse football team, the really biggest way to let them into the game is through turnovers. If Green Bay starts gifting possessions to a bad New York offense, New York can win, and I wouldn't put it against them winning. However, if Green Bay doesn't, they limit turnovers, then this game gets a lot more challenging. For the Giants, it means that New York isn't going to get any advantageous field positions that come with turnovers. It means their offense is going to be forced to drive the length of the field. And more importantly, most importantly, it means that Green Bay isn't wasting offensive possessions, right? They're not just giving away the football when they get inside the red zone and saying, yeah, we could have seven points here, but why don't you guys go down and see what you can do with it? Stay turnover free. That's going to be a big key in this game. How? I mean, as simply as I can say it, protect the football. From a fumbling standpoint, the easiest thing I can say is ball security. AJ Dillon, Patrick Taylor, Kenyon Drake, whoever. Protect the ball. Don't let it get raked out. Now, where stuff gets more interesting is the quarterback position because when people say limit turnovers, that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about Jordan Love. And Wink Martindale, I said it, he's a heavy blitzer. Blitzes can cause really two big issues for quarterback, and that is they can force fumbles and they can force interceptions because pressure causes both to occur. It causes fumbles to come if the quarterback's hit, the ball pops out, and then it causes interceptions to come because pressure can force quarterbacks to make bad decisions, make errant throws. And ultimately, if that happens, the Packers' offense is really doing New York a favor. So to prevent turnovers... Jordan needs to keep doing a good job of two things in my mind. The first thing is holding on to the ball. And I don't just mean, you know, having two hands on the ball. I think Jordan has done a really good job, and he did say something to this effect, of maneuvering within the pocket and having a steady pocket presence. And I think it's something that's evolved through the year. But he's got he's done a really good job of just feeling the rush, sliding little subtle body movements but the ability to feel pressure and maneuver accordingly it's extremely important it's something he's done very well and that's going to be a big part of him holding on to the ball not getting strip sacked additionally the offensive line just don't get beat right you don't get beat jordan's not going to get strip sacked everyone's happy the second thing i think jordan needs to do really well and i think he's done really well with this he needs to know where to go with the ball he needs to keep knowing where the ball with the ball where to go with the ball because the faster the ball gets out, the less time the defense has to get to you, the better your chance of not doing dumb things. And versus Spagnolo, Jordan did an excellent job of getting rid of the ball quickly. If a guy, if a free rusher were coming, he would just get rid of the ball. It didn't even have to be a completion. Now, there were plenty of times where it was a completion. There was a quick third and short where he got a nice little completion to Wicks. Throw to Wicks, move the sticks, right? But there was also a play where I forget exactly what the situation was, but Jordan had a free rusher coming up him, coming up 
at him, ready to hit him. And he didn't take the sack, set the offense back. What he did was just flip a ball down the sideline to Romeo Dobbs. And Romeo Dobbs wasn't even looking for the ball. The ball fell incomplete. But the key thing was he kept the ball out of harm's way. There was no safety over there. It was Romeo Dobbs one-on-one matched up against a corner. And he tried giving Romeo a chance. The pass was well behind Romeo, so it fell incomplete. But he lived to fight another down. You have to do that. You have to do something similar versus Wink Martindale. Another thing I'd like to see Jordan do similar is get info at the line using his hard count. What he did very well versus Spags was he'd use his hard count, see, okay, the linebacker's jumping, the linebacker's jumping up, ready to blitz a gap, the safety's rotating down, and then he'd adjust accordingly. He'd change the play, can the play, whatever he had to do to get the Packers into a better position, and we saw them capitalize multiple times using that. Hopefully he can also do that versus Wink. The big difference, the reason I think the offense can have success in this game, New York is not as good as the Kansas City defense. Not really even close to it. Now, Dexter Lawrence, awesome. I said Kayvon Thibodeau, he's on and off as an edge rusher. But Spagnolo is a much better defense. Well, not much better. He's a better defensive coordinator than Wink Martindale. I don't, I do think Wink Martindale's pretty good. Um, but he's kind of like Joe Barry in the sense that he's going to stick to his scheme. Uh, while Spags has shown the tendency to adjust at times. And he did adjust versus Jordan a little bit. Um, and then also, Kansas City's defense is more talented. Kansas City's a better defense, and if the Packers were able to have se- have success against them, they should be able to have success against New York. They need to hold onto the ball. Jordan needs to know where his checkdowns are. Continue to find them. Just take what's available and do not gift New York turnovers. Do not give them interceptions or fumbles. That's what's going to let them into this football game. The second offensive key I have, find the chunk plays. And what I'm looking for in this game is, yeah, I mean, the Packers winning, that'd be great. But I think that what would be really nice is if we could see the Packers beat up on a bad football team, a football team that they should beat up on. How do you beat up on bad football teams? It's really not by playing the same kind of game they played against Kansas City, where you've got each team has two drives in the first half. I guess Packers technically had three, but they have, you know, around two drives in the first half, then have a couple more in the second half, but it's a very ball control style of game. Against bad teams, you want to find your chunk plays. And 10-minute drives aren't really how you just take New York out of the game. It's the 50-yard plays to Jaden Reed, 30-yard chunks at Ontavian Wicks as Jordan rolls to his left, That's kind of what does it. And trust me, against a weak, very weak, Giants secondary, whose best player might be the streaky at best rookie Deontay Banks. Uh, I guess Jory Jackson is there, but he's uh, kind of old at this point. The Packers should be able to find some chunks against that secondary. And I think one of the ways they can do that is the way they've found a lot of chunk plays recently, play action and schemed up looks. Matt has been incredible. He's been, I'm going to say it again, in his bag these last few weeks with his play calling he's always keeping the defense off guard he's getting a bunch of creative motion going getting guys free play action to pull out the linebackers it's working it's working super super well and that could be one way of generating chunks versus the giants again if the giants are going to go blitz heavy almost no question that they can probably find some nice opportunities there as long as protection can hold up you just throw in a little bit of motion, confuse the defense, that can go a very long way in springing a massive chunk play. Additionally, 
you can just have your guys win. Because I, I said it, this is no like Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks secondary. This is a giant secondary with a rookie cornerback, uh, an old cornerback, and a Dory Jackson's. Now their safeties look relatively good, but their cornerbacks are beatable. And so are their safeties, honestly. Now Watson, presumably, he's not going to play. But let's see everyone else step up. Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, win. Win. Maybe they get Dobbs on a goal ball. I think... What's interesting is Christian Watson's the guy everyone thinks of when it comes to go balls, but I do think they've been sending Romeo Dobbs on no, nowhere near as many go balls, but a couple, a couple go balls here and there, and I think it might be easier for Love to connect with Romeo because in the nicest way, he's just not as fast as Christian Watson. Um, additionally, Reed and Wicks keep winning on the intermediate level. Those guys do such awesome work 15 to 20 yards downfield if they keep doing that that's going to set up beautifully you hit wicks on a crosser you hit reed on a dig they can take that an extra 10 20 and in reed's case probably 50 yards for a touchdown that is how you're going to generate chunks in this game and by generating chunks you're going to be able to really just put your foot on the neck of the new york giants and as my old baseball coach liked to say once you have your foot on their neck, just dig it deep into the mud and don't let them come back. And you can do that through chunk plays. So I think finding chunk plays is going to be another key in this game offensively. That's what I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, my first key, stop Saquon Barkley. And you might remember that last year, the Green Bay Packers played the New York Giants in London. And the New York Giants kind of destroyed the Green Bay Packers defense, and they destroyed them in a couple of ways, but one of the big ones was Saquon Barkley. And at this point, with this Giants team, a much worse team than they were last year, the really, the, the only player who can truly beat you, or at least that you're really, really scared of, is Saquon Barkley. The blueprint for Green Bay last week to beat a better Chiefs team was to limit possessions, keep Mahomes on the sideline, and control the game. You better believe that the New York Giants are going to want to do the same thing in this game. They're going to want to limit possessions, keep Jordan Love, I can't believe I'm saying that, that's pretty crazy, on the sideline, and they're going to want to control the game on the ground. If the Packers let them do that, New York will be in this football game. We saw it last year in London. We've seen it time and time again. The Packers have to stop Saquon Barkley. And this is, if Joe Barry doesn't, and he dedicates numbers to stopping the run and he just says we're putting seven in the box we're playing penny here maybe we're dropping a safety awesome great that is exactly what i want to see what i want to see from you joe but i do think there's a very real world where joe just kind of says whatever and that's when players have to create penetration up front i think that the edges in green bay tend to do a good job versus the run now there's always a time when a person, usually Rashawn, gets too aggressive, over commits, and then the back's able to break outside. But in general, I think our edge room is pretty good in terms of from Rashawn at times to Preston to Enagbari to LVN, especially Preston and LVN. I think those two guys are very good at setting the edge. The problem comes on the interior. And if Green Bay's interior is getting gashed, the Packers are going to be gashed all day in the run game. If the interior is getting penetration, the Packers are going to have quite a bit of success and probably come away with a win. So, how do they not get gashed? I'm going to say it again. Players need to play better. Devondre Campbell and Devontae Wyatt were just getting consistently washed out in the run game against Kansas City. 
Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, they weren't getting washed out every play, but sometimes they were getting double teamed. They were struggling. Nobody was getting any push. At least they definitely weren't versus Kansas City. They didn't really versus Detroit. They did to a degree versus the Chargers, but LA's run game sucks. They sucked versus Pittsburgh. The last time they were actually good against the run was four games ago versus LA. So the run D has pretty much reverted back to being bad. And that cannot continue versus New York. And it's going to continue unless the Packers get players playing better. And having Quay Walker out does not help. So I'm looking at Carl Brooks. I'm looking at TJ Slayton. I'm looking at Kenny Clark. Those guys have to be able to come in. They have to win. They have to fill their gaps. They have to allow people to come up and tackle. That needs to happen. That's going to be such a massive key versus New York. I'm looking at Kenny. I'm looking at Carl Brooks. I'm looking at TJ Slayton. Somebody needs to have a game where they're honestly just taking over. And they they can because New York's offensive line is not good at all. But the scary thing is that neither was Pittsburgh's. And so Green Bay is going to need to go in this game. They're going to need to beat up on the interior on a bad Giants offensive line. And they're going to need to make sure Saquon Barkley doesn't kill them. My second key, get after Tommy DeVito. You saw it versus Kansas City. Green Bay got pounded on the ground. Yet they still managed to hold a not great, but good Kansas City offense to 19 points, right? And that offense that they held to 19 points is definitely better than New York's. How do they do that? Yeah, the interception was helpful. That was a great play by Keyshawn Nixon. But there were also two massive stops in the red zone in that first half where the Chiefs were driving, Packers were up, you know, whatever. The first time they were up 7-0, second time they were up 14-3. And... Kansas City could have punched in a touchdown. If they'd punched in a touchdown both those times, the game would have been tied going into half. But the pass rush was able to get after Mahomes in the red zone. They got three sacks, all of them in the red zone. And as a result, they held Kansas City to six points in that first half, only 19 overall on the game. As we look ahead to this Giants game, Tommy DeVito's been sacked 28 times in the past four games. That is crazy. That's over six and a half times per game. That being said, when DeVito's been giving time, and Matt mentioned this today, I mentioned it earlier, he has shown the ability to make defenses pay, at least to a degree. And so this game is going to present the perfect opportunity for Green Bay to get after Tommy DeVito, scare him a little bit. And even if they get beat on the ground, they can recover in the red zone and just in general by sacking him. Because the beautiful thing about sacks is that it sets the opposing offense back. And not just into, you know, first and 11, first and 12. It sets them into second and 15, third and 15. And guess what? When you're in second and 15 and third and 15, you're probably not running the ball. And that is beautiful. That is music to the ears of every Green Bay Packers fan who knows that if they do run the ball, they'll get gashed. So you have to get after Tommy DeVito. How do you do that? Well, let's look uh, first at the Giants offensive line. It is bad. Spoiler alert, it is bad. Andrew Thomas, yeah, he was an all-pro caliber left tackle last year. He probably still is, I mean, he hasn't quite played to that level, but he's still, of course, an awesome left tackle. But beyond them, the Giants have absolutely nothing. Nada. Just nothing. And yeah, so this is a weak Giants offensive line. And that's where the pass rush can feast. And the pass rush has to feast. The Packers did an awesome job getting after Jared Goff in Detroit. All game. 
against Kansas City. Now, everyone wants to give the pass rush a lot of credit. I said they had three sacks. They kind of had all those sacks in the red zone, and aside from that, they did not do a good job of getting pressure on Mahomes. So they have to come back and feast on a weak Giants offensive line. Van Ness, he had probably his best pass rushing game of the season last week versus Kansas City, getting a sack, his second sack of the season. Now, again, not a high bar for him to have his best pass rushing game of the season, but... He did. Hopefully he can build off of that. Enak Bari, I think he's looked really good as of late. And then Preston and Gary, we know about them. We know what they can do. So I'm looking for all those guys to get after New York off the edge, on the inside. Just like with the uh, run defense, I'm looking at Kenny, Carl Brooks, TJ Slayton, and because it's pass rush, Devontae Wyatt. And I think Barry can help out the line with stunts, which is something that Matt mentioned briefly today when, when he was talking about the defense. But those guys have to come out. They have to come out with their piss hot. They have to get after Tommy DeVito because six and a half sacks given up on average over the last four games for New York is absurd. That is awful. And I'm just looking for Green Bay to bring, to bring that average up. Sack them six, seven, eight, nine times. That has to be a key in this game for the Packers. Moving on to my players to watch segment. My first player to watch Dontavion Wicks. And I want to talk a little bit about Packers wide receivers. Because in today's NFL media, wide receiver ones, quote unquote, wide receiver ones, they're fond over. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, those are all guys that are quote unquote wide receiver ones. But what does that really mean? What does wide receiver one really mean? To me, it's someone who you design plays for because they can kill a defense. And each of those guys kind of kills a defense in a different way. Devontae Adams, you design plays for him where he is the first progression in most routes because you know that he's going to get open. And when he gets open, you can hit him for 15, 20 yards. Tyree Kill burns the defense in kind of a different way. Now, you do design a bunch of plays for him where, he, where he's the first read, but you also try to maybe mix up the routes a little bit um, from a, from with Devonte Adams. You're probably not running a bunch of go balls with him with Tyree kill. You can run a bunch of go balls, but you can also throw a bunch of little quick slants and then let him get upfield and burn the defense, right? A wide receiver. One is someone who you want to design plays for Devonte Adams. Wasn't a burner. He wasn't Tyree kill, but the Packers wanted to get on the ball. They designed plays to do so. And whether it's corners, posts, run solutions, whatever, they just ran play after play after play to get in the football. What's funny is that it now feels like Green Bay has three, maybe even four of those guys. Guys that you, and what do I mean by those guys? I mean guys that you design plays for. I'm not going to say they're wide receiver ones because I do think another defining characteristic of a wide receiver one is that they're consistent game after game after game, week after week after week. I don't think the Packers quite have almost anyone like that. But I do think they have three guys that on any given week can be the player that you design plays for or the players that you design plays for. And Romeo Dobbs and Malik Heath, they're not really included in those three. I'm sorry. I love them. Romeo Dobbs, I do think he's more defined, clearly almost the most trustworthy receiver on the team at this point. But I'm I'm not designing plays for Romeo. He's He's a guy that I feel good going to on almost any situation. He's definitely a guy that I will design plays for given a certain situation, i.e. fade on the goal line. But he's not a player where I'm thinking, I'm in the meeting room and I'm thinking, 
what play can I use to get the football into this guy's hands 15 times a game? It's more a, I feel good going to Romeo five times a game type of thing. He's usually not the first guy in the progression, but every time we throw to him, I feel really good about it. And that's fine. He's a sure-handed, extremely strong-handed, physical, awesome receiver. That's great, actually. We need those guys on football teams. But the other three guys, those are your... I'm going to call them Green Bay's three wide receiver 1.5s. Because they're guys that on any given week you can design plays for. They're not all consistent, and they definitely don't each show up week after week after week. But they are guys that you want to get the football to. And those three guys are Dontavion Wicks, Jaden Reed, and Christian Watson. And Christian Watson, I think he's the closest Green Bay has to being that top 10 wide receiver one type of guy. Now, the issue comes in that he's not that guy every single game. He was versus Kansas City, he was versus Detroit, and it led to offensive offensive explosions. Of course it did, but he kind of wasn't that guy versus the Chargers. And yet Green Bay managed to put up a good offensive performance. How? Jump down. My next guy who I include in those three, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed stepped up in that Chargers game, and that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Watson, Reed, Wicks are all guys that on any given game, the Packers can use as their wide receiver one, and be guys that Green Bay is consistently thinking, how can I get the football to this guy? Christian Watson, I said it, probably the closest Green Bay has to a wide receiver one. He's a guy that you want to design everything for. He is, in the nicest way possible, he's a poor man's Tyree Kill if you will, where you want to run them on literally every single kind of route, deep routes, short routes, jet sweeps. You can run them on more gadget plays, everything. Christian Watson's a poor man's Tyreek Hill. Jaden Reed, to me, is a guy that you want winning over the middle with his swift speed, digs, crossers, etc. And you definitely want to get him the ball on gadget plays, pop passes, and jet sweeps. So those two guys, two guys that can be wide receiver ones on any given week. But Dontavian Wicks is the focus of this. And I want to talk for a little bit about Dontavian Wicks. And I hate comparing wide receivers to Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams is about as good as you can be at every single thing as a receiver. But watching Dontavian Wicks move is a lot like watching Devontae Adams move. And I, I kind of said those, the same thing with Romeo Dobbs last offseason, specifically in how Romeo moves on on run solutions, where the Packers would throw a screen pass to Romeo, and he's so sudden and so good at just putting his foot in the ground, taking a couple hard steps, getting upfield, getting eight yards, like Devontae Adams. But Romeo, he while he has the tail-like movement on the, on the run solutions, he doesn't quite have that mid-route movement of Devontae Adams. And the best way I can put that mid-route movement is the shimmy-shake ability. That's what I'll call it. Dontavian Wicks has that. He has both the, the run solution suddenness of Devontae and, and Romeo, um, which we saw last week versus Kansas City, where he picked up nine yards on a second and 10. He got an extra two yards at the end of that by using a dive that I've, I swear we've seen Devontae do like 50 times. But then in his routes, he also has, again, the shimmy shake ability, the ability to create separation through fluidity in his cuts the fluidity in his cuts to get in and out of breaks extremely, extremely quickly. And when you watch him play, it's like there's an intention to every single step that he takes and where he's 
He's not thinking about all the steps because that's probably not a recipe for success, but he is in a way he's he understands how every single step is going to take him towards the ultimate goal of getting open. And when you watch Dontavian Wicks, he keeps getting defenders to go the wrong way. He keeps. It's so consistent. Now, his routes still aren't Devontae Adams level, no, aren't Devontae Adams level. No one's are, right? His hands definitely are not Devontae Adams level. I do think that would be a much more Romeo Dobbs comparison in my mind. I think that if you combine Romeo Dobbs's his hands and Dontavian Wicks's movement, you're getting someone pretty close to Devontae Adams. But jumping back to Dontavian Wicks, the separation skill that he has is to the point where I've added him to that can be a wide receiver one for the Packers on any given week. And it's because I want to design routes for Dontavian Wicks. And I want to, I don't really want to get the ball to him on gadget plays. Now they threw a, a run solution to him, just screen to him. It worked, right? Of course. Yeah, great. Like you can get him the ball in some ways, but I really really want to design routes and plays where Dontavian Wicks is first in the progression because both Devontae and Wicks are not Tyreek Hill, Christian Watson level receivers where you want to throw them a million go balls, but they are receivers where if you design routes for them and if you design plays where if they win, the ball can go to them, they're going to torch the opposing secondary because they're going to win consistently. And with Christian likely out versus New York, I expect Wicks to get more of those plays designed for him. Now, I, I could have put Jaden Reed in here as my player to watch because he's another guy I cited as being able to step up and be wide receiver one on any given day. But I think Wicks is going to be the guy that we see be more of that wide receiver one against New York. He's someone that I've been thinking about, a lot about, I wanted to talk about, and I'm looking for him to torch the Giants secondary. I think he has a nice impact on a lot of games. He had a massive third down conversion um, versus Kansas City. He had the screen pass I mentioned. He had some big chunk plays versus the Chargers. Um, went for 95 yards, I think, on the day. But I expect an even bigger impact versus New York. And I don't necessarily think from a yard standpoint he's going to have more than 95 yards. But I think he's going to get more opportunities. He's going to get more production. I think he might have a touchdown. And I think the easiest way to put this is against New York you might be seeing a lot of my tweets read, throw to Wicks, move the sticks. That's what I have on Don David Wicks. My second player to watch is Preston Smith. Preston's looked awesome as of late. He got a sack on Mahomes last week in the red zone. He's about as consistent as they come versus New York, and I think the Packers are going to need both of that, both of those two skills that Preston brings. Um, I think the the consistency when it comes to setting the edge in the run game, that's great. That'll be a very important piece of the game versus New York. But where I really feel like he deserves to be a player to watch is that I think I can get a W and give myself a W here in his pass rushing. And I think that he will come out and will have a very awesome game from a pass rushing standpoint. He's looked good lately, obviously had the sack. I'm calling a, a, another sack or two for Preston on Monday night. Maybe we even get a forced fumble. I think he'll come in. He'll get after Tommy DeVito. It's a great chance for him to do so. Lined up probably against whoever the Giants' uh, backup tackle is while Rashawn Gary's taking on Andrew Thomas. So I'm looking for Preston Smith to have an impact. I think he will have an impact, and that's why he's my second player to watch. Overall, that's what I have for you. The Packers, they're a, they're a pretty freaking fun football team right now. Pretty freaking fun and uh, I do think that 
this is a game where you're really going to see what kind of team this is. Is this a new team? Is this a team that is no longer the crappy team they were in the beginning of the season that just plays down to their opponents and, and doesn't look good? Are they going to lose? I wouldn't be shocked if they lose. How does this team respond to weeks of success and now placing a much wor- playing a much worse team? How does that go? It's going to be interesting. We're going to find out. But I will, of course, be back on Monday night letting you know how it all played out, recapping all of my thoughts. That's what I have for you. Until then, until Monday night, just remember, well, two things. Throw to Wicks, move the sticks, and of course remember. Go Pack Go! Go!